right, guys, welcome back to another week of the Share the Road podcast. Week four, baby. Woo, 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 woo. And I think we got a really, really cool one lined up for you this week. I have been staring at my laptop a lot this weekend. Why? Because this these two awesome individuals, Janine and Russell, uh, decided that they were going to put together the online running conference and so the online running conference I came across it on Instagram uh, a couple weeks ago and I was like wow this looks really cool I talked about it there at the end of the podcast last week and I knew it was something I had to tune into all of these just elite ultra runners and coaches uh, for free were basically sitting down and talking strategy and talking about nutrition and their story and their struggles and their victories and their influences and ah, it was just amazing even if you're not a runner there were there was something to be gained from just listening to these people who are elite in the sport of triumph like overcoming obstacles overcoming your own mental chains right like it was just so incredible um so there were four days and each day had eight nine ten speakers uh all of which lasted about 45 minutes to an hour so i have to be in in the uh videos uh, were available for a 24-hour period i'll be totally honest with you i was not able to get to them all but every single one that i watched was just, I learned so much. I gained so much knowledge, so many stories. So we're going to be diving into that here this week. Um, I'm not going to go into the backstory of every runner, right? If you uh, really, something resonated with you that you heard about from uh, one of the runners that I mentioned, then go check out their story. Most of it's public knowledge, right? So um, go out, check out some of these things. Let me know what you enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's dive right into it. Here we go. Let's do this. All right, so there were a few ways that I was thinking about going through this, and originally I was going to go through every single person and just break down everything I took notes on, but uh, the first draft of the pod actually ended up being over an hour and 20 minutes, and... Let's face it, that is just far too long. So what I've done is I basically, I'm going to go through each person and talk about their career. And um, from there, I am going to talk about a few things that really just stood out to me. I'm going to go through day by day. And um, so hopefully you you find something that you can add to your training or you, that you can find inspiration from. So let's get right into it. We're going to start with day one. Lucy. Bartholomew, 23 years old, and holy cow, you want to talk about just a super positive, good vibes person. She is an awesome follow on any social media. She travels all the time. She goes on all these crazy adventures, and she is so personable. Like, she interacts with her followers. Uh, she loves to meet people. Um, as I've As I've learned more about her, I've kind of developed, like, She's kind of like my celebrity crush uh, right now. Um, but this is a little bit about Lucy. Uh, she ran her first ultra at the age of 15. Um, then the, that was unofficially. She was uh, pay, uh, carrying the pack for her dad and 
you know, she didn't want to just sit around while her dad ran 100K. So she was like, well, I'll run it. I'll run the pack to each aid station. And she did. Then uh, the race director caught on. She's like, and they said, you have to come back. So when she was 16, she ran the race, finished in nine hours and 30 minutes and came in second place overall uh, in the, for women. In 2018, she received a wild card to the Western States 100 miler and in her first attempt placed second despite being much younger than most in the top 100. She is the 2019 winner of Most Inspiring Woman. Um, she is very active on trying to, you know, help people reduce their carbon footprint and just be more uh, environmentally aware. Um, so let's get right into what some of the things I noticed from the session. First of all, she is humble as hell. Um, whenever they asked about her strength, she was like, Oh, really? I think my timing, just the time that I came into the sport is my greatest strength, you know? And I was just like, um, humble much, you know, which, which is awesome. What a great, what a great quality. But, you know, her reason for saying that is she's, she grew up in a tech savvy generation. She knows how to use social media and connect with people all over the world. And she attributes that to a lot of the sponsors that she has. Uh, Solomon, Spring Energy, um, Labent Socks, or just to name a few. Uh, then she talks about her dad and how great of a strength it was to have a dad who was an ultra runner. Um, maybe not an elite, but I mean, he was, he was a great athlete. And somebody who invited her out to do these things. Um, she's still very, very close with her dad. And that resonated with me because in the, you know, I have a very close relationship with my parents. But as, especially with my dad, I'm able to connect with based on endurance sports. Dad is a, is a great endurance athlete. And so that's something that we're able to connect really well on and inspire each other. Um Moving on, one of the tips that she gave that really, really stuck out to me, and I love this. So during a race, um, one of the ways that you can mentally overcome the suck moment, because it's coming. If you're doing an ultra marathon or if you're doing a marathon, they talk about the wall, right? Or they talk about bonking, whether that be mentally or physically, Um she says that one of the big things whenever you're getting into the one of those mental bonks is to step out of the suck moment to see outside of the suck, right? So like you're getting into your headspace and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm at mile 27 of this 31 miles or <laughs> shoot for me at Mountain Mist. And, you know, I've still only done one ultra. Uh, I got to mile... 18 and my legs had been cramping already for three miles. I was just like, there's no way I could get through this, you know, but, um, and I'll talk about my own mental strategies at another time, but I love this one. I'm definitely going to take it. And it's to look around you, look at the mountains, look at the sunshine, notice the, the great accomplishment that you are in the process of. You know, just just look outside of that tiny space in your head where everything is going wrong and just appreciate the beauty around you. 
And that, that kind of ties in with one of the characteristics of success that she, she shared, and that is finding joy within the simplicity. Look, you're running through the wilderness. Or if you're doing a marathon, you're just, you're running. Whether that be in a cool city or it's your first time making that accomplishment. Just notice how beautifully simple this great accomplishment is. And that will kind of, that'll kind of help bring some of that joy to you. Like, why, why do you do this? You know, why do you run? What is the reason that you do it? Um, and one of the, one of the best quotes that she mentioned, uh, was that life is the best university you could ever learn from right out of high school. Um, Lucy decided, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't going to go off to a university to, uh, study for her next career. She wanted to do what she loved to do. And she loves, loves, loves to run. Uh, she loves to travel. And so she said, you know what? I'm going to focus on that. And her parents were totally supportive of her. And look at what she has been able to accomplish. Um, then uh, she says, if you want to move to the next level, you're already a big time. Well, not a big time, but you've already done a few ultras or you've done a few marathons. How do you make it to that next level? Use social media to talk to the people who are at the level you want to get to. Or if you have local athletes, that's what I do a lot of. Like, But she says that these elite runners are normal people. She spent a lot of time messaging elites before she really broke through to the scene, which, I mean, maybe there wasn't really a before for her ultra career because she had a, quite a bit of coverage uh, since day one. Um, but, you know, ask them for advice. They would love to help you. Ultra, the ultra running community is such a huge family and they're so supportive. And it's just a common theme that they love to see other people succeed. And Lucy is certainly one of those. I mean, so mentally and as far as maturity, just way ahead of her age, right? Like I think her her ultra career has already lasted for eight years, and she's twenty three years old. And I I foresee it lasting for yeah a decade or two to come, maybe uh, probably even longer than that. Um, just really a phenomenal athlete. That is Lucy Bartholomew. Um, after that, on day one, uh, the the second and actually the final one for day one that I listened to because I had to work that day, so I didn't have a lot of time. Um, was Mike McKnight who's 30 years old. And there are just a few things I took away from Mike's story. Uh, one of the big thing is just his backstory. I know I said I wasn't going to go into it, but this is pretty incredible. I love stories like this. In 2012, he broke his back in a skiing accident. All right, so already, bam, this huge injury. Three weeks after uh, his surgery, he was running. 16 months after, he completed his first ultra. And then 2019, seven years after he had his injury, he won the Triple Crown, winning the Bigfoot 200, the Tahoe 200, and the Moab 240. That is amazing. There are not many people who have been able to accomplish that. A few of the things that he talked about that I find particularly interesting is he's a low-carb, high-fat guy. 
uh, which I didn't really think was a huge thing in endurance sports, but uh, apparently it works pretty well because this guy's at a pretty high level. Um, I couldn't personally do it. I love my carbs. I love my quinoa. I love my uh, toast with peanut butter and honey in the mornings. Um, but he said this really helped his uh, nutritional efficiency. Um, and then during races, he uses fruit-based nutrition, which, you know, you do have to take in some carbs, so that's where he gets a lot of his sugar and his potassium, things like that. And then one of the big tips that he gives is the importance of sleep. Look, if you have to choose between going on, like, say you don't get to bed until really late because your kids or work, you know, and it's choosing between uh, waking up and getting four hours of sleep and going on an eight mile run or getting that extra sleep and going on a four mile run. You know, you, you should probably use the sleep because your body needs that. If you don't get that sleep, you're probably going to get injured. All right. So that is uh, some of the key takeaways I had from day one. Moving right along, we're heading on to day two. Now, I'm actually going to take some time to really talk about this next one. I'm not just going to do key points. I mean, I am, but I'm going to go into a little bit more because it's uh, from some sports dietitians out of Australia. And you'll, it, you'll hear a lot of ultra runners, especially in even the elites, talk about how nutrition was one of their biggest challenges or biggest mistakes that they made early on. So, And I think that was something for me too. I would get to aid stations at Mountain Mist and I was like, I have no clue what to eat. I would like stand there for probably like five minutes. I, I had about 16 minutes at aid stations at Mountain Mist. And that's a ton, right, for a 50K. And so... This one I found extremely interesting. So this is Stephanie Gaskell and Alan McCuban from Australia. And uh, like I said, they're sports dietitians, but they specialize in ultra running, right? So one of the big things that they, they mentioned is three to six months out from your race, you already need to have assigned diet and nutrition, right? So you, you can't have a goal for either your body composition or your race performance and, you know, try and meet that goal in two weeks by changing your nutrition. He says it's just not feasible. You need to be making those changes three to six months out to really see the effects of a proper nutrition, which means you need to have some discipline and have some consistency with that as well. Um, if you're doing more training, uh, da, 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 da. you need to have more food, more carbs. So the, these dietitians are definitely not on the um, low-carb, high-fat train. If you're doing double sessions, you know, in the afternoon you're lacking energy, they say, hey, are you eating enough? It's probably something you need to be thinking about. Um, if you're looking to lose weight, they said don't do extremes. Extreme things are just too much. They're not sustainable. Cutting food is going to lead to training struggles. And if you're on the, oh, I got to stay away from all sugar, not necessarily. You're going to find that you're going to be lacking it in energy, either, either in your workouts or in your day-to-day -day life, your routines. Uh, moving on to race day. Okay, so this is nutrition for race day. 
Is carb loading a thing? <laughs> Before I even heard them talk, I knew, yes, absolutely. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> it's just what I was always told to do. Um, but they say, yes, absolutely, you need those carbs. More specifically, you're going to want to stay away from fiber, though. So the whole grains that you're normally uh, taking in, they have a lot of that fiber. That's not necessarily going to help you on race day. That's going to give you some uncomfort. Um, you're, you're, you want to take in white rice, pastas, sugar, and you want to make sure you get that early on before race day. So really start before 3 p.m. carb loading that stuff in. But you want to be starting a few days out. You also want to make sure you're drinking water with those carbs because uh, those carbohydrates will kind of help store that water and make sure that you are well hydrated going into it. I love this next thing is that they say that uh, the gut is an athletic organ. It must be trained, all right? Just like you're training your legs, just like you're training your body, just like you have to train your mind, you need to train your gut. So what does that mean? You need to be training with your nutrition. We're going to talk about that later on with uh, trainer Andy Dubois from Australia as well. The next thing they talk about is some tips to sports nutrition. Okay, so this is just in general. You need to have consistency with your nutrition that you use in the race. Okay, so you should have, as far as flavor goes, they recommend a mild flavor for ultras. You don't want anything too strong. Uh, it doesn't really matter as much if you're doing a 5K or 10K or um, half marathon, you know, but uh, the longer races than that, you're really going to want a mild flavor so that stomach doesn't get worked up. The next thing, as they mentioned, is don't be fooled by the word sport. All right, and this is something that I, I have been fooled by, for sure. Like, I've definitely been fooled by this. And so they, they say, like, hey, if you have a sports bar, say it's like a sports granola bar of some kind, that's not necessarily going to be different than some quote, breakfast granola bar. Check that nutrition label. Make sure you're not paying two, three dollars extra for something that has sports slapped on it. The next, the next tip they give is to make sure you're experimenting with these things. Uh, some don'ts. Don't follow everybody else. Don't copycat. Everybody's nutrition is personal. You need to be doing the trial and error for yourself and making sure that what you're doing works well for your body. You need, uh, and also, <laughs> I love this. I love this. So if you have gels, you'll notice on the back, a lot of them say take every 45 minutes. They say that this is something that is regulated by the uh, FDA here and here in the United States, and that is a requirement that they give directions on how to take the gels. It is not necessarily a blanket rule either. Uh, the the administration of gels into your body is also personal. It's not going to be every forty five minutes. It might be more. It might be less. Like like before, you need to make sure you find what works for you. A big do that they mentioned: have a plan and have it tested. Andy Dubois, uh, the trainer, he he's gonna he's gonna kind of build into that more later. Okay, so the next thing is okay. So you tell me I need to take carbs. You tell me I need to do all this stuff. But can I have some kind of idea of what that needs to be? They recommend 
15 to 20 grams of carbs every 20 minutes. All right. So this this is a little different because in the past I've like every five miles or so I've just slapped down a gel. Uh, but they actually recommend doing a, a small increments, right? So not putting a whole gel down, not putting down a whole wa- honey waffle down, uh, making sure that you're doing this in small increments, drinking sips of water with it. That'll help your body process those small amounts and actually get its use out of it instead of just like, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff. You've been running forever. Blah, now I'm sick. Okay. So Small increments, uh, let those things last. Stick them back in your pocket, finish them up as you go. Um, so moving on to hydration and electrolytes. Uh, when should I hydrate with a race, right? So a lot of ultra runners talk about drink when you're thirsty. Like it's just that simple. There's no plan to it. They say, ah, it's not really perfect. There, there needs to be a happy medium. You need to plan how much you want to drink or need to drink or that you've tested you need to drink in a time period and then drink that much based on your thirst, right? So when you get thirsty, uh, drink that, uh, but do make sure that you're trying to get that amount in that time period. Once again, they emphasize that each person is different. You also need to make sure you're hydrating with those carbs because those carbs will act as a vessel for that hydration. The final thing that uh, really emphasized from them, once again, test through trial and error. If it doesn't work, don't wait for it to work. You know, shred it. Find something different. Make a plan. Okay, so that is our sports dietitian Stephanie Gaskell and Alec McCuban. Uh, the next person we're going to talk about is just an absolute, you know, they didn't slap a label on her as a legend. She's 35 years old, but I would go ahead and say that she is heading towards that legendary status, and that is Courtney Dolwalter some of Courtney's most recent accomplishments, okay? So she won the, and this is probably the biggest, she won the 2017 Moab 240 miler outright 10 hours ahead of the gentleman in second place. Now, I know that, and I am a big subscriber to um, that women are capable of just as amazing things as men, but I do think it is a little bit impressive that she finished first place overall 10 hours ahead of the gentleman in second place the moab 240 attracts some of just the most badass athletes in the sport and courtney absolutely killed it which is no surprise she is a killer uh in 2018 she won western states 2018 the tahoe 200 and then in 2019 she won UTMB, uh, which is just one of the, the biggest events in the sport. It is a huge deal. If you don't know about UTMB, um, Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, you need to check it out. All right. Um, and so Courtney talked about a lot of things, and she is another one of those very positive people. Um, but Courtney is really known for the totally unstructured, unscheduled training. In fact, she's probably, she's one of the few I've come across actually trains this way. She just kind of wakes up and she's like, okay, um, yesterday I did this, so today I guess I'll do this. 
Um, which means tomorrow, I guess I'm gonna do this. Or if she's laying in bed that night, she says, tomorrow I'm gonna run eight miles. And she wakes up, she's like, I think I'm gonna do 16 miles instead. Or maybe she has a long run plan. She's like, eh, I'm, I'm tired. I'll run four. You know, so she, it's totally unstructured. It's totally based off of what her body needs. And I think that is, there's something to be said about that. That's something that a lot of runners and endurance athletes in general, cyclists too, or swimmers, um, not as much swimmers. They're not taking as much pounding on their body, uh, in their sport and neither are cyclists, but definitely runners. Um, you know, we don't take the time to rest our body from that impact. And so we a lot of times will be like, oh no, this is this is my weakness. This is all mental that I don't want to do this. Uh, sometimes your brain knows something that uh, y- you know you might not. Your body's trying to tell you like, hey, stop, please. <laughs> I'm I'm falling apart. And so Courtney is just one of the pros at listening to our body, and that's why she's been able to have these outstanding performances. Uh, the next thing she talked about, which I'm really taking into account because I plan on crewing or pacing for a few of my friends this year, just to learn more about ultra running, because it's something that I really, really want to be good at as I, as I grow as a runner. It's something that, um, I want, I want to be able to have some accomplishments in, and I, I know some great ultra runners and I want to be able to learn from them while also helping them accomplish their goals. So she's to kind of went through some tips for if you're going to be a pacer, which I thought was awesome. Uh, she started off, she said, you need to be self-reliant. Duh. First of all, if you're pacing somebody or helping somebody in a race, or if you're looking for someone and they're always asking you like, Hey man, can I snag a jail? Or, Hey, what's our pace? Uh, Hey, do we need to do this? You know, your pacers need to know the course. They need to have their own stuff. They need to have extra stuff for you. And so they, they need to be prepared. All right. They, they, in no way should the racer have to help out the pacer, right? Uh, the next tip she gives is don't let the racer piddle around the aid station. Okay. Uh, at aid stations, it, it's really easy. I'm telling you, it's so easy to get caught up in that space and, um, kind of take too much time. Make sure that your runner is taking, getting what they need, uh, getting their shoes taken care of or whatever it is, and that they're moving on. All right. Um, and then the last one is to let the runner set the tone. If the runner knows that, hey, I want to surge up uh, uphills and then take it, try and take it easier going downhills, then that's what you need to help that runner do. If it's the opposite, that's what you need to do. Make sure that you're letting the runner put in their strategy and you're not trying to impact that. And I'm going to throw in a last one because uh, this is one that one of the other session members mentioned uh, that they had a pacer one time actually convinced them to DNF, which is uh, do not finish, uh, did not finish. Don't convince your runner to not finish. If they're not hurt, that that is absolutely out of the question. Okay, so make sure that you are helping that runner accomplish their goals. Uh, the next tip, I really want to try these out, uh, is she says that the Njinji socks, that's I-N-J-I-N-J-I, are the best thing ever. They're toe socks. She's never had any issues. They they stay dry uh, They're and just totally blister-free, and it keeps her feet comfortable. Uh, they're just amazing. Uh, and then the final thing from 
Ms. DeWalter is that her biggest mistake was nutrition. And one of the biggest reasons for that is she was a copycat. She would look at what other people were eating and she would take in those things. Uh, it is extremely personal. Now, some of the things she uses are Tailwind Nutrition, Honey Stinger Waffles, and for 100Ks and longer, she uses mashed potatoes. Um, for Definitely for the potassium, carbs, things like that. Uh, I use the Honey Stinger Waffles. I absolutely love those. They are a go-to for me in a lot of different situations. All right, so that is Courtney DeWalter, ultra running, badass, extraordinaire. All right, so the final one for day two is going to be Tom Evans, 28 years old. And he he is really somebody who I found that I kind of connected with. And you'll see why in a second. He's from Great Britain. Uh, and his resume includes getting third at the 2017 Marathon Disables. Uh, probably said that wrong, but Kentucky, yoo-hoo. Uh, first in the 2018 UTMB CCC. Third in the 2019 Western States. Third in the 2019 Lake Sonoma 50. He got bronze in the World Ultra Trail Running Championship with Great Britain. Uh, and that team also won the European Cross Country Championships. And he has the court, uh, course record for the 2020 Tarawera 102K. All right. Now, one of the big things that I, and probably the main thing that I connected with Tom on is that he was a military guy and he attributes a lot of his success to the mental strength that he found in the military. Uh, he did, he did attribute physical strength. Uh, I'll say that, you know, in my initial training, like, yeah, it was a nice launching pad for my fitness, but I think it was the mental strength that I gained through the military that helped me to be able to push through a lot of the hard moments in training and in races. Mental isn't usually a big thing for me. I don't, I don't usually struggle now. Granted, uh, for some listeners out there have done more than a 50 K I've only done a 50 K. Um, so, so mental hasn't really been a roadblock that I've had to face a lot. Um, so I, I connected on that. And his next point was that his biggest mistake, and this is so true for the modern athlete, is comparing himself to others. And a big catalyst for that was Strava. He, he found it was very almost toxic to how he would be like, oh, they did this today. I should have done that today. Or, uh, you know, oh, man, they ran that run faster than me. Everybody's at different points in their training. Um, and I struggle with this too. I've been a lot better about it here over the past, honestly, just couple weeks is that I'm like, no, I, I have my training plan. I know what I wrote out for myself and I know that it's going to work. It's going to take time, but it's going to work. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys in the area right now training to really go hard on this half marathon. And I know that going and getting a PR at the half marathon is not one of my goals for the year. And so I see these guys dishing out these super just awesome splits on these speed workouts. And I'm like, oh man, I, I should be going out there and doing all these. But I have to understand that I am on a different part of my training and that I cannot compare to that, what to what they're doing because they are not doing the same plan I am. 
So I have to be disciplined and making sure that mentally I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing less. I'm just at a different point. So you need to make sure that you incorporate that as well. Also, if you're a new runner and you get on Strava, it, it, just be very careful. Okay, I mean, people are going to pump you up. They're gonna they're gonna gas you up. They're gonna make sure that you're feeling good about what you're doing. But make sure you're not comparing yourself to those other athletes. Okay, becoming a great runner or a runner that can put out some of these awesome runs takes time. It takes a lot of work. I mean, to to some, my my Strava runs might look like wow. I I don't think I'll ever reach that. But I I look at some other individuals out following Strava, and I think that. So you're you're always at a different point. So just try and break that now. The next tip that he gave is that you need to understand what success looks like to you. And this is kind of ties into what I was just talking about. You you need to make sure that. You're, you're being self-aware of where you are, what your running history is, uh, what's around you, uh, what, what you're able to train with. Um, so for, for me, I know that, you know, I just, I just completed my first marathon and I blew my goal out of the water. And so now I'm like, okay, I think, I think I can hit that Boston qualifier. So that is... That, that's something I can attain. That's something within reach. Now, you're not just going to start running and be like, yeah, I'm going to qualify for Boston. Hey, if you do, you know what? Hit me up. I would love to interview you. But it's just not, it's not realistic. Okay, so you need to make sure that your success is, is very much personal. Okay, you're self-aware of where you're at in your journey. And you need to understand that your intermediate goals lead to your long-term goals. The next uh, point I want to make is that you need to keep an eye on Tom because he plans on strutting his stuff at the Paris Olympics in 2024 via the marathon. Okay, so he plans on hopping off of that trail and hitting the marathon. He thinks he'd be pretty good at it. He says speed is one of his strengths. And then the last point is... Uh, and this is one of his characteristics of success is humility. You need to joke when things go wrong and when things go right, you need to just realize it was just running. Okay. That's all you were doing is you ran you put one foot in front of the other. Uh, this quote, I love it. If I have my best race or worst race, I can't, I come home and my dogs don't care. They love me anyway. No matter what happens, my dogs think the same about me. My kids think the same about me. He doesn't have kids, but, you know, say if a parent is kind of applicable to that. And that you need to know how to turn it all off and look at life. Okay, you need to know when to turn that running thing off and focus on life. Sometimes that stuff happens. And then he, he makes this analogy because he has a hobby of baking bread. Weird. But okay, Tom, it, it must be a British thing. I don't know. Hey, if you make bread, come teach me how to make bread. That sounds cool. Um, but it's an incredible analogy. He talks about to make, to make bread, you, you put the right ingredients in the pan. Then you have to have patience. You put it in the oven, but don't, you can't look too early. You cannot open the oven because if you look too early, it'll deflate. And then you're, you're done. You, you got this crap piece of bread. 
It's the same thing with racing. If if you try and pump out that speed and pump out that mileage too early in your training and you're just trying to rush to that goal, you're going to deflate. It's it's not going to work. And so you need to trust the process. When the timer goes off, hopefully you succeeded. And this is my favorite part. But if you didn't, then it's not the end of the world. You can start again. Or just go buy some damn bread from the store. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was awesome. I, I had to throw that in there. All right. So that was Tom Evans of Great Britain, 28 years old. Moving on. Day three. Starting off with John Kelly from right down south in Tennessee. Um, so this is some of John's accomplishments. He got first place at the 2019 Franklin's 200 miler, uh, which is down in El Paso, Texas. I've actually hiked up the Franklin Mountains. Um, it's really rocky and is, is pretty steep. Um, and he got the course record in that race. He got first place at Lookout Mountain 50 miler. He's got the ITU long course age group world champ. He was the RCCA ultra national grand champ. He's a two-time Ironman age group champion. And he is has the Guinness world record for the fastest marathon dressed as a video game character. All right, John. Cool. And but what he's probably most well known for is that he has first place at the Barkley Marathon 100 miler. And he is only the 15th person in 30 years to finish. The Barkley Marathon is a race down in Tennessee. And it is, you have to navigate yourself through it yourself. And it, like I said, if it's just to give you an idea of how difficult it is, 15th person in 30 years to finish. The, uh, elevation included in the race is two times that of mount everest granted you don't have uh you know the air pressure of uh being at the altitude but you are going that much up and down that's pretty crazy uh some of the points from tom okay so first of all he is an average joe and i love that he has a family i believe he has three kids He's an engineer, and so he he has a full time job outside of running. Um, and he he says the training that you can do, that's the best training. He wishes he would have done that when he was younger. You know, if work is hard, I mean that's stress on your body. If you're in a stressful time at work, that's stress that's being put on your body. That you know, you might not necessarily be able to put all that other work into uh running because work is not rest time so make sure that you're doing the training that you can do at the moment you can always hop back into your training uh speaking of training i love this point i never really thought about it i don't know why but it just never crossed my mind because i would always think about hill training i was like well we don't really have a good safe hill for me to for me to train on he said, oh, you can't find a big hill. I don't necessarily live around a lot of trails. I live in England. And John's biggest hill where he lives is a 95-foot uh, 0.2 miler. 
All right. And so in order to get in the elevation, he needs to train for some of these races. He has at some points done hill repeats on that hill up to 120 times in one run. John. Holy shit. I mean, that is <laughs> that's wild. Um, talk about Groundhog Day. Right. And John also mentions that this is a great way for him to uh, mentally prepare for an ultra like a 200 mile or a 100 miler, which <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Think about running up and down the same point two mile. A hundred twenty times. Good night. That is just absolutely crazy. Uh, one thing that I thought was really funny is one of his favorite things nutritionally for a race is pizza. I mean, I love me some pizza after a race, but during a race, I don't think my stomach would do well with that. And then finally, uh, his big tip is you, you need not to be afraid of failure. All right. If you're going to sign up for an ultra, you need to understand that it's possible. And honestly, Let's be honest. It's probable that you're going to fail. All right. If you're folk, if you're scared of failure, signing up for an ultra is not something that you need to do. But the obstacles that you're going to face are opportunities. And I think that's one of my mental tricks is like when I come up on something like when I got my cramps, I said, when I get to the end of this race, I'll be able to say that I had cramps on and off for 16 miles and I was still able to accomplish this. Always remember that the obstacles that you face are opportunities. All right. And so that, that is John Kelly from Tennessee. Volunteer State. Rocky Top, you'll always be home, see home. Sorry. Um... Mother's family's from Tennessee, so I had to go into that a little bit. All right, so the next thing we're going to get into is Mr. Andy Dubois, trainer from Australia, and I'm going to talk a little bit more from his stuff as well. Now, Andy Dubois is a ultra coach, um, and he specializes in power meter training. And he, so one of the first things Andy talked about is what kind of training applies to everybody. Here's the three things that you need to make sure you have in your training. And the first thing is consistency. The next one is speed work. And the third one is hill training. All right. He also says you need to be training your mental strategies as much as your physical strategies. All right. So if you're a visualization person, uh, visualizing your loved ones, cheering you on along the way helps you out. Make sure you're doing that when you're working out, too. Um, he goes on to uh, one of his great points he makes about nutrition, which I love, is that you need a plan A, a plan B and a plan C that is tried and true. All right, so for plan A, say you are a pretzel person. You carry pretzels with you, and you eat those pretzels on race day, and your stomach says, screw that, man. I hate that today. You get sick. You move on to plan B. Now you're a watermelon person, and but your stomach's like, nope, don't like that either. And plan C, the ever-trustworthy peanut butter and jelly. I love peanut butter and jelly, man. Anyway, but... It, Beside the point, 
Plan C it is, but you need to make sure that all of these are tested. Another great thing to do for your nutrition is contact the race director and find out what kinds of things they're going to be offering at the aid stations to begin with. Now, why power meter training? Power meter and wattage is something that's used a lot by cyclists, and so it's not really thought to be used of with running as much. Uh, but Andy says that pace is not really a great judge of effort. You can't really see the one consistent number throughout all that and that heart rate has so many effects and limitations for example your effort might not be as hard on a hill but your heart rate is naturally going to spike right so he just says it's just inconsistent and not only that once you hit that hill your heart rate monitor isn't going to relay that to your watch until about two minutes after you've been pushing yourself up that hill so he thinks that power meters are great because they give you one number, whether you're running flat, you're up, or you're down. It just puts out the intensity, the measure of intensity that your body is putting out. And so he says that it helps to prevent cramping or because you went out too hard or you know, you're know you bonking because you went out too hard. It helps you to be able to really keep yourself under control. Not only that... Uh, post-race, it helps you to go back and see what kind of things you're, uh, are your weaknesses. So, for example, if you're doing an ultra and you get to a power hiking set, uh, section, which for those that don't do ultras, um, power hiking sections are usually when you have a very steep, steep climb, uh, usually one that would just be, frankly, unsafe to run up, or sometimes something's just so steep it would just be way more efficient for you to hike up. Uh, but you see that your power number drops significantly. So say you're shooting for 180 and your power number drops to 140. That means that your power hiking's weak. You need to work on your power hiking. Okay, uh, he, the, but he goes on. It's, it's kind of funny, and this is why I kind of, I really felt that he he was legit. I was worried that he would kind of sell on the power meter stuff hardcore, but he said at the end of the day, it doesn't matter as long as it's consistent for your training. You know, if that whether that be power or pace or heart rate, as long as that's consistent and that's what you're using and every single time you train, you're going by that thing, then that's what it, something's going to that's going to work. You're going to see improvement. Um he says none of it matters anyway come race day. It's just a matter of whether you can perform or not. Um during a race, he says with the power meters, honestly, it could, you could just use it for the first four to six hours and it's done its job because it's been able to help you see that you didn't go out too fast. Uh, his three characteristics for success, and I love this one, is that it's patience with your training. So, for example, um, I run 35 to 40 miles a week right now, but I want to push that up to about 70 miles. He says that realistically and the best way to do it for your body is to add like a mile a week now that that might be a little bit safe too safe um but i i think there's there's validity to it that your body you can't be tacking on five six miles a week into uncharted territory so i definitely think that i'm probably going to alternate between adding one and two miles a week as i try and get to this new goal of pushing up my mileage and making sure that I can get that mileage up there so I can start doing these longer races. Okay, I plan by um, probably November, December that I can I can tack down 
close to 60 miles a week and not have issues. Uh, the next thing you need is your consistency, and that goes along with that patience, making sure that you're consistently putting in that those miles, but you're not doing like 40 miles one week, then 20 miles the next week, then 30 miles, then 50 miles, and 20 miles, because you're going to get hurt that way. You need to make sure it's consistent. And above all, you need to love what you do. All right. Um, for his first ultra stuff that he wants to talk to people about, he said that your training doesn't have to be arduous, right? Like you don't have to go out and put down 120 to 150 miles a week in order to go out and run an ultra marathon of any length. He says that he has podium runners that only run 70 to 80 K a week. Podium runners means people that place first, second, or third and 70 to 80 K is probably about, uh, 50 to 60 or I'm sorry, uh, 40 to 50 miles a week. All right. Um, now for going to the next level, this is probably the biggest thing I took away from, uh, Mr. Dubois is that you're, if you want to make it to the next level, your easy and long runs need to be slow. Okay. And that's something that a lot of, like I talk about, a lot of runners struggle with. You know, you have to be able to slow it down. Because, you know, if you make those easy runs actually easy, and those long runs are actually at a slower pace, then whenever you're working on your running economy or your speed, so you're doing track workouts, hill workouts, tempo runs, fartleks, you're going to be able to dish out more speed because your body is well rested. You've built up some anaerobic fitness and you're going to be able to have more speed, more volume, less injury, and ultimately better performances come race day. So, and I heard this from the Hoka One One team before too. You know, you've got guys that are training to throw down, you know, five to five 30 minute mile marathons. But whenever they do their long runs, they're throwing down seven, seven minutes, uh, splits. I mean, that, that's significantly slower than what they're running the, their, their goal race pace in. So apply that to your own thing. I know that for my, my marathon in Indy, I'm going to have to dish out a 642 pace. So for my long runs, for the most part, I'm really going to be focusing at about a 750, eight-minute pace. All right? So I, just to try and make sure that I am totally good to go. All right? So that does it for day three. All right, moving on. Final day, day four. I only listened to two, but they are two awesome ones. With the young guy, though, Mr. Hayden. Mother flipping Hawks. All right. Hayden Hawks in 2019 set the course records, obviously meaning he won, the Artaneta Trail 30K, the Ultra Trail Saigu 80K, Broken Arrow 52K, Two Shars Marathon, and the Cross Country Thunderbird 25K. Not only that, he got sixth place at the World Mountain Run Championships for Team USA. USA. In 2020, just last weekend actually, he won the Black Canyon 100K and got his golden ticket for this year's Western States. 
and other more wins in his career. He won the 2017 UTMB CCC 100K and the 2017 Moab Red Hot 55K. All right. So Hayden is just an absolute badass. Uh, but same thing as before, where I'm just going to go through some of those points uh, for the sake of time. Now, Hayden's favorite part of an ultra, and I really enjoy this. I think this is super cool, is that he loves that you're l pretty much living your whole life in one race. You know, <laughs> like you have these major ups of where you just feel great and you can't believe you're you're in this moment and you're doing this amazing thing. And then you have these downs where it just feels like the whole world is crashing down around you. Some people actually have like very intense emotions come out during ultra races because you just... They, whatever chemically happens in the brain just causes this release, you know? And so people just have these kind of crises, but you, you do get out of it, you know, cause you get back on those ups. And so I, I really think that that is a really cool quote from one of, one of the sports best, uh, as far as racing goes, he learned early on, uh, that he made the mistake that you can't race every weekend. That is so true. You can't just go fast and try and kick everyone's ass all the time. Actually, I was talking to a uh, mentor and good friend of mine here in the area, Dylan Hammonds, who's also has a great resume and is just a, a great trainer. And he, he's, he's working hard to make some great goals here in the next couple of years. Um, and I was talking to him about, you know, I had stressed out my IT band and he I said, you know, I really wanted to run fast on the uh, half and he said hey man don't be a serial racer he said that's a real thing and I was like oh shit yeah yeah okay I'm kind of doing that I need to step back you know and that's something Hayden had to learn the hard way too I think it's a young runner thing I think it's something like we feel like we have to prove ourselves or we want to stack our wall with accomplishments or whatever it may be but uh, I think we, we have to make sure that we're looking at our longevity, too. We, we've seen in the past some ultra runners who just go out really hard. They go and they win all these races, and they're pushing their bodies. And then three years, we never hear from them again. All right, so, so make sure you're looking out for your longevity. And that's something that Hayden said he's really starting to put some emphasis on. Uh, the next thing that I thought was really, really cool is for his influence, one of his biggest influence, he said that the non-elite gives some of the best advice. Hayden understands that, you know, yeah, there are elite ultra runners out there that are doing some great things, but probably the people, the cool thing about ultra running is that the elites are towing the lines with the people doing their first ultras or the elderly that are doing their 30th year of some race, you know, and just think about all the experience and advice that they would have to give, even though they're running back of the pack racing against the cutoff at this point. But I mean, they just have so such a wealth of knowledge that you can learn from them. So he says he loves talking to the non-elite experienced runners to get some advice. And Personally, his own advice that he gives to other runners is that you need to make sure you always love running. Don't don't kill that. So if if you're starting to get to a point where it's like, oh my god, I gotta go, I gotta go run. Well, then maybe you need to take a break. Uh, my mom actually sent me a great quote the other day from her inspirational calendar. It said, "Run long, run often, but never outrun your love of running." 
I love that. That is so like that is just so well said. Um, and I think it's true with anything. All great things, you know, you need to make sure that you portion that out. And with running, if you're not having fun with it, if you're not loving it. Spoiler alert, an ultra marathon is probably not something you're going to want to get into, which all these guys are obviously ultras. But um, yeah, so just make sure that you're always enjoying the activity that you're doing. And I tell people that as far as like people are trying to get in shape too. I'm like, hey, you know, you need to make sure that whatever you choose to do to get in shape, you're actually enjoying it and you're not just doing it to lose weight. Like find something that you actually want to be good at. And do that thing. You know, if that's hiking or if that's rock climbing or if that's CrossFit or whatever it is, obstacle races, make sure that you actually want to be good at that thing and that you have fun doing it. For Hayden's advice for a first ultra, uh, he said, there is not absolutely no way to totally prepare you for what you'll experience. All right. And basically what he's saying is like, you can do all the training, you can do all that stuff, but no one can tell you how your body and your mind is going to respond. The only way for you to do that is to just sign up. And when they asked everybody that question about like, Hey, what's, what's some of your advice for a first ultra, all the elites said, you just need to sign up for it. You just need to do it. Sign up, pay the money, go do that race. All right, that's everybody's first piece of advice. So if you're listening to this and you've never done ultra and you're like, man, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about it, just go sign up for one. Find you one. They're a ton of fun. All right, and finally, we're going to the old guy uh, that Laura, the interviewer, claimed that she this is the only person she referred to as a legend, and he really is. This is Carl Speedgoat. Meltzer. All right. Carl has 62 ultra wins under his belt. He has the most hundred mile wins in a calendar year. He has 42 total 100 mile race wins, five away from the record, 17 years in a row of winning at least one 100 miler. He is the person that the Hoka Oneone Speed Goat is named after. It's his signature shoe and one of the best selling shoes on the market. And he also, at one point, broke the Appalachian Trail speed record. And the Appalachian Trail is 2,200 miles, 14 states. And it took him 45 days, 22 hours, and 38 minutes to complete. All right, so let's get through some of these points that Carl has for us before we wrap up today. All right, so he said that, hey, your first ultra goal you should have no other goal for that ultra than to finish the race because there are going to be countless lessons that you learn that nobody can teach you. And that is so true. When I was going into Mountain Mist, I was like, yeah, I'm going to race this bad boy. And I, it, my time was in no way a race time. But I was still proud of that accomplishment because, man, the wealth of knowledge that I gained just by going and doing it, the mistakes that I made, and I know things that I can now do better. And I know that over the next few ultras that I do, I'm going to learn more and more. And that was so much true with like ultra than road running, that, you know, with trails than road, is that there's really a lot more technical factors and strategy to it. Uh, the next thing they said is that his greatest influence is the back of the pack. I think that's so cool that arguably one of the greatest trail runners of all time says that the 
He loves to finish the race, usually first, and he loves to stay and watch the back of the pack roll in. He said that's where the real motivation is. That's where the real inspiration is found and where he gains a lot of that. And this spirit moves on to his next, one of the next key points I took away is that he loves to help people break his own records. I I just think that's cool. That really embodies what the ultra running community is. And uh, just an example of that, he helped Scott Jurek break his AT speed record. Now, they talked about data, like he's been doing this for a long time at this point, and he couldn't get his, uh, so they they talked about data, all right? So they said, do you use data with your training, your heart rate? And he said, no, I I really don't use data at all. I just kind of train based on feel. I I tried to get my watch to connect, uh, but I never could, so I said, screw Strava. I I laughed at that because I was just kind of like, okay, here's a guy that's just using an old Casio and running around crushing people. All right, so that's a speed goat, baby. And his next tip for doing any race, really, if you're not injured, finish. Walk if you have to, but it feels better than logging a DNF and then going out on a jog the next day and everybody saying that, oh, you could have finished that race. All right, push through. That pain, you will get out of that pain cave. If it's a nutrition issue, he says you need to slow down, which allows your stomach to process the food better. All right. And so if you want to make it to the next level, you need to make sure you're doing your homework. You need to make sure you're studying up on workouts, studying up on nutrition, studying your race, making a strategy. Uh, He recommends you to work an aid station so you can look at how people use their downtime. If you can minimize this downtime at an aid station and increase your efficiency in that, you'll, you'll see a great amount of gain in your in your time he said he won races at the aid station that he would have his plan he'd be like boom 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 got my gel got my water gone and he would try and beat the people who had already made it to that aid station before him he said this is a great mental strategy as well because those guys will be like well where'd he go and will kill themselves trying to catch up with you and then they fall off later on So you can really win some races there at the aid station. And then to wrap it up, his final tips, you need to make sure you're communicating with your coach if you have one. You need to ask yourself, if you're getting to a point in your training and you're not feeling races yet, ask yourself why. Is it because of work? Is it because of sleep? Is it because you need to go and you need to do some cross training? Your body's like, okay, I can't take the pounding anymore. Get on a bike. Go lift some weights. Go do something. He reinforces what Andy Dubois talked about earlier, and he says you need to learn how to run easy and not to overtrain. And he wraps it up by saying rest is important. Those are some great tips from the legend himself. And our final uh, reviewed session of Carl Speedgoat Meltzer. Okay, so that was a lot, I know, but hopefully you found some critical pieces of information that are going to help push you to the next level or motivate you to create some new goals. Now, these are only a few. There are about 
eight or nine, uh, seven to nine sessions each day on this uh, on this online running conference. And originally, they made it to where the the conferences expired after twenty four hours, and that's why I was only able to get a few in. But now they have re released all of the sessions that you can watch at any time. You just have to sign up. Go to online running conference.com I, I really think you'll be interested to see some of the other people that they have on there or hear the full sessions of what I talked about today because I certainly left quite a bit out and it's all very interesting that's been our show for this week thank you so much for coming in and joining me on another episode man this has been such a cool thing i have had so much fun in putting these together hopefully you've enjoyed listening let me know some things that you like hit me up with some things that you don't like or all as always just drop in and say hey you can find me at instagram at, at share the road pod or on facebook slash share the road podcast I hope you guys have an outstanding week. I'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks again. Happy training. Work hard. Be healthy. Listen to your body. But now and every single day, make sure you share the road. Thanks again, guys. Much love. Abel out.